Fellowship College, welcome. Tonight is gonna look a little bit different than our normal Sunday nights do. Um, we're still gonna stay in our James series and that will be our guiding text for tonight. Um, but tonight's gonna look like short sections of teaching with a worship response. And the heart behind tonight is that it would be a time for y'all to just reflect, sit in the Lord's presence, just take a second away from the busyness of normal life school and work and everything that y'all are doing, just sit in the Lord's presence tonight. So close your eyes. Take a deep breath in. Breathe out. Ask the Lord to make you aware of his presence tonight. Think about what tonight would look like if you really sat and considered what the Lord is saying to you through every song, through every teaching, 
what would it look like if when we sat in the presence of the Lord, we were focused on nothing but Him? Take a moment, sit in His presence. Bring your whole self to Him. to be near to you, near to your heart, near to your mind, as we worship him tonight. This is our scripture for tonight. James 4, 13 through 17. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into this or that city, spend the year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, it is the, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So just be thinking about these words tonight. Sit in his presence. Ask him what he's trying to teach you through the scripture. worship him together.
Listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. My translation starts this passage with, now listen. Others say, come now. We're supposed to be paying attention to what James is saying. The people he's talking about here are so focused on planning their futures, on setting themselves up for success without regard for what God's plan may be. Is that not still true of us today? We can become so focused on planning out every detail of our lives, mapping out our five-year plan. But friends, why do we do that? Is it because we want security? We want to be prepared? Maybe we want our lives to look like this American dream where we find our spouse in college and then we get married right when we graduate and then we'll have a secure job and once we have a house then we can start having kids and then our life will be all right. That's when we'll be secure. Once we have financial security, we'll be okay. Once we show our parents that we're capable and sufficient, we'll be okay. Does this sound familiar? What anxieties do you have about the future, friends? I want us to think about that for a second. Is it whether or not you'll make it to graduation? Or maybe through this next semester? Does it have to do with job security after college? About pleasing your parents or looking successful to other people? Is it anxiety about where you'll live? Do you go home? Do you stay in Northwest Arkansas? Do you move to a completely new city? Is it anxiety as to whether or not you'll have a relationship that turns into marriage? or even that you'll be in a relationship at all. I read this passage that James talks about 
And it takes me back to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Jesus talks about worry quite a bit. And he reminds us to look at the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. God takes care of them. And friends, if God takes care of them, how much more will he take care of us? The passage ends with Jesus saying, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So I wanna ask you again, what anxieties do you have about the future? If God doesn't give you what you ask for, will that shake your trust in him? We're gonna take a moment and we're just gonna think about that. We're not going to look for solutions or ask the Lord to fix it right now. We're not gonna look back and, and figure out if we can find a new five-year plan, but we're gonna take a minute and we're gonna confess our anxieties to him and we're gonna lay them at his feet. strength to pray 
Y'all go ahead and have a seat for a sec. What is your life? Is the question that James brings up in this section, and he doesn't pull any punches. He's diving headfirst into a topic and a reality of life that is true for everyone. And it's one that can be kind of hard to wrestle with uh, sometimes. It's the reality that we, all of us, will not be here fairly soon. And so James, he, he gives this imagery of a mist. What is your life? Your life is a mist. The biblical writers from the Old Testament all the way through the New use this analogy, this image of a mist, a vapor of water, a puff of smoke. I want you guys to close your eyes for just a second and imagine that. It could be whenever you blow a candle out and the puff of smoke goes up. It could be from a bottle of water, some other liquid that whenever you squeeze the handle and it sprays out, there's a mist that comes out and then falls onto the countertop. Now imagine the same puff of smoke after you blow out the candle, but then you swipe it away before it could go out on its own. You can open your eyes. That's what James is trying to get us to understand, that the reality of our lives is, rather than the people he references just the verse before, who are so sure what's going to happen in the future, it's actually that we don't know what's going to happen. Whether we're here for 80 years or just one more year, our life is that quick, like a vapor. Whether it goes out on its own or it's taken out early, it's true for everyone. And he goes and he continues explaining what, what is that mist like? It's here for a second. It's here for a moment. It appears for just a little bit. And that's true of our life. Like whenever we think of our life being a mist, it's not that it's insignificant or unimportant or that it's not real, like it's some false reality. It's extremely real. And it's extremely meaningful and it's extremely important, especially to God because God made each and every one of us in his image to be like him and to spread his goodness out to the rest of creation and to experience that goodness, even if it is for just a little while. Because whether we're here for 80 years or gone one more year, our life is meaningful. But it does vanish, just like the mist. The psalmist says this over and over again. They say things like, our lives before God are nothing. It's like a breath to man. It says that we are flesh. We're like, we're the wind that comes, and as soon as we come, it goes, and then it never comes back. It's a reality of life for all of us, that whether we're here for 80 years or we're only here for one more, our life will vanish. And now, that can be easy to start to feel down, or maybe like some hopelessness, like, well, what's the point if we're only here for a little while? But this reality that James is riffing off of Jesus, who's riffing off the Proverbs and the Psalms, it's actually supposed to bring security and freedom. Because, because our life is a mist, we are able to rest in the fact that our God is the eternal God. That whenever we're united with him, we experience the abundant life. And all of the sweet things in life become sweeter because they're so 
few less when we understand that reality. And all the hard things that we work through become less hard because there's just so few less because of this reality. Free from anxiety about decisions that you have to make in the future because our life is amiss. It helps us focus on what is real, what is important, and what is meaningful in life. Our God is the rock of ages while we are just a vapor. Our God is the ancient of days whenever we're here just for a moment. And we hope in the glory to come where we will experience that everlasting life with him. And so as we move into the next song, I want you guys to just think about that reality, that our life is a mist. And ask yourself, am I living that reality? Am I understanding the brevity and the fragility of life and living accordingly, living a better way because of it. And if there's areas in your life that you're not, just take that to God. Ask him to give you the right perspective and that it would be confidence building because this is the word of the Lord.
Y'all can have a seat again. James uh, continues in this passage, and he shows that the things in our life that we so desperately want to control, the things that cause us the most anxiety and sadness and worry and stress, James kind of reveals that beneath all that, there's some layers. And at the bottom of our worry, at the bottom of our stress, at the bottom of our desire to control these things in our life, he calls out that it's actually pride. That when we are doing these things, when, when we want things to go exactly how we want, when we're trying to have that five-year plan, ultimately that's, that's pride. And it's pride because as Jacob said and our life is just a mist, it's a vapor, it's, it's here for a day and it's gone in the grand scheme of eternity. Like we're here for just like a blip on the radar. And so when we have these grand plans and we try and do everything in our own strength and by our own ability and by our own will, what we're really saying is, God, hey, your plan is good and all, but, but, but mine is better. Like, hey, I know this is what you want, but, but I think I got this one. And when we really think about those things, what, what James is saying is, let's call it what it is. That's arrogance. He's saying, he says, as it is you boast in your arrogant schemes, 
all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So he says, let's call it what it is. It's, it's arrogance, it's boasting, it's pride, it's sin. And what he doesn't want you to do with that, he doesn't want you to read this verse and just feel terrible about yourself. He doesn't want you to, to hear this verse and be called out for sin and just kind of just say, well, that's it. I'm filled with guilt and shame. He wants you to do with your sin what he wants you to do with any sin in your life. He wants you to confess that. He wants you to give that to the Lord. He wants you to entrust it to the one who has no sin. You see, when I was, when I was in college, I thought, man, when I become like a better Christian or when I mature in my faith, however you wanna say it, like I'm just gonna sin less and less and less and it's gonna be so good. All these issues and problems that I had in college, like these addictions, they're all just gonna, they're just gonna go away. And so I tried as hard as I can, like, okay, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin. And what you realize the older you get, the longer you follow Jesus is that sin is gonna be a constant theme through your life. Can you find freedom in certain areas? Yes, only by the power of the Spirit. But sin will be a part of your life until Jesus returns or until you die. And what's crucial about the Christian life is, is not if we sin or not, but what we do when we sin. So the Christian life is not about sinning less, but it's about trusting in God more. It's about depending on Jesus more. When you first become a Christian, you see, wow, Jesus is holy, I'm not. I need Jesus to fill that gap. But see, in my life, I, the, more, the more mature I've gotten in my faith, I've actually realized that Jesus is, is holy and, and I am way more sinful than I could ever imagine. That the roots of my sin are so deep and they penetrate through every area of my life. And then you get a little more mature in your faith and you're like, oh my gosh, God is holy, holy, holy. And even my best intentions on my best days are just filled with sinful motives and pride and arrogance. Man, I thought I needed Jesus this much, but man, I need Jesus in everything, in every area of my life. And so when we confess our sins, and we're gonna give you an opportunity to do that right now, I don't want you to just look at yourself and, and feel bad about yourself and call yourself names. Instead, I want you to, to see your own weakness and then look up to Jesus, to the one who meets you there, to the one who's promised you that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we're about to enter into a time of confession. Should I stumble again, still I'm caught in you. 
surrender and still be okay. There was a moment in my life where I truly, I realized what it looks like to surrender. Uh, my junior year of college for spring break, uh, a few buddies and I, we decided to go out to Destin, Florida. And so this was during COVID. I don't know if you guys remember that when they canceled spring break, but we took a quick trip out to to Destin, and we loaded a two-bedroom uh, condominium with 12 people. So imagine that. Uh, we, when I, when I got there, going into that spring break, I was feeling just this weight of heaviness, being overwhelmed by the weight of school, the worry about f- future, and what, what is God doing in my life? What is he, what is he going to do after senior year? Um, being stressed about a lot of involvements I was in, feeling burnt physically, emotionally, and even feeling numb and indifferent towards the Lord. And I remember when I got to Destin, a couple of buddies and I, we we decided to spontaneously go crab hunting. I don't know if you've ever been crab hunting on the beach at night, but it is exhilarating. And so a few buddies and I were running around on this beach looking for crabs um, with our flashlights. And I remember this moment feeling like a kid. I felt just this wave of relief that all this weight, all this heaviness, it just, uh, it was just released. And I felt, felt the cool, crisp air kind of blow against me and hear the waves crashing against the beach. And in that moment, I just felt this sense of, of, of comfort. And although it was a vacation, I think the same principle applies, just that the Lord wants us to experience this in our relationships with him. Our well-being is ultimately determined by the fact that we have a faithful provider found in Jesus Christ. And so we can surrender and still be okay. James 4.15 says, instead you ought to say, if it's, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And a lot of what James is doing, he's speaking to first-century uh, first Christians, and they're experiencing extreme poverty, famine, and oppression. So imagine how, how stressed about their future um, they were. And a lot of what James does is he takes from uh, the book of Proverbs as well as Matthew 5 through 7. And uh, as I was thinking about this passage, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 came to my mind. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Trust is this active surrender to the Lord. It's not that uh, you rely on your own understanding and try to rationalize your own vision for your life, but rather it is coming to the humble submission of what God has for you is accepting that there's a greater power um, than yourself that perfectly knows and cares for each and every single one of you. And he understands, he searched you and he knows you and he's created you and formed you. And he cares about uh, where you're at right now and he cares about your future deeply because he loves you. And that's seen through his son, Jesus Christ. And so I love to take this moment 
to pray with you guys, an act of trust. And so if you would bow your heads with me and open your hands in a position of surrender to the Lord, and then we'll go into worship. Lord, thank you that your plans are trustworthy and that your good is immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Even when we do not feel like you are working for our good, even when we feel overwhelmed and anxious, even when we feel completely trapped by our circumstances, we thank you that you are with us because you sincerely love us and want us. Father, would you reveal the areas we lean on our own understanding? And what is your vision for our lives, both now and in the future? May you teach us to rely on your faithfulness and give us an undivided heart that we may fear your name. Grant us the freedom to be so content in you that we can enjoy this moment right now. Amen.
Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory 
Well, if, if y'all need prayer or want to talk about anything or just want to get more involved, our whole team will be up front here after the service. If you don't know who our team was, you saw them all tonight, including Joanna. And so we'd love to, to get to know you. We'd love to meet you and help you get more involved. Camp War Eagle is here tonight. And so if you want to uh, get involved with them this summer, go, go say hi, go see what they're about. They're, they're a great camp. Um, and we do have a podcast. I know we've been kind of talking about this, kind of like a Kanye, like, oh, it's coming, the album's coming, the album's coming. The podcast will be out this week. I'm like 73% sure. So be on the lookout for that. We've already recorded three episodes, including one on purity culture, one on evolution, and one on should Christians drink alcohol. So some good stuff. But until then, we will see you guys next Sunday here. Grace and peace.